Welcome. Happy Thursday and hope everything is going well for you. I am Brian Powers. And I'm Chaz Hill. And this is Inside Franklin Athletics. This is Thursday, the last day before some spring break. But uh, in Inside Franklin Athletics world, there is no spring break, right, Chaz? No, we are just going to keep riding this train. It's going to keep going. There's no stop. We're going to crash it. I don't care. <laughs> With us today, we have a very special guest, probably the second most powerful person we've had on here. We have with us 1996 South Ripley High School graduate, uh, record holder in cross country track, every event from the 400 meters up, 2000 Marion graduate, uh, all-star cross country runner for Marion, also all-star track runner. He holds the record in the 250 meter hurdles at Marion, also, Not anything you've said is true, but go ahead. The 80 meter, the 80 yard turf dash at Marion, coach of the 2001 Boys Cross Country State Champions, coach of the 2007. Is that right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Third place Franklin Community High School cross country team. No. Fifth place. Fifth place, Frank. Close enough. Man, you've done <laughs> I, your homework. <laughs> I smudged a little bit on my notes here. Uh, Franklin Community High School cross-country team. Second in the all-time leading wins for a head track coach, only to Mike Hall, and all-time leading wins in cross-country coach, just besting out Doug Drenth, and also Franklin Community High School principal Steve Ahouse. Wow, that was that was a very fun and inaccurate opening. Um, say, so much wrong, so much wrong about what you just said, but we'll go with it. So. The high school year and college year graduations were correct, though, right? I think that's about the schools and the years. Everything else seemed to be inaccurate, but <laughs> perfect that's research. Awesome. That's right. That's good. I, it was, it's a thought that counts. I pride myself on my research, Steve. I'm not <laughs> sure if you know this or not, but I pride myself on my research. So, uh, first thing we've asked all of our guests, how are you handling quarantine 2020? Ooh, that's good. Um, it's been busier than I thought to this point. We've got two kids, nine and six, Avery and Brooklyn. Um, and... We are just keeping busy. They've got schoolwork and I've got emails. I think my email load, which is always big, um, probably tripled once we got out of the building because that's the way to communicate. So, I mean, it, it, it's just, it's a, it's a lot of stuff, but it's good because um, of the district doing some pretty awesome things, trying to help people with food and, and hot spots so they can get wireless and getting them their information and communicating. And so it's been School-wide, it's been, it's been really cool to see what everybody's doing and, and how much effort's being put into helping the community and helping people, um, what our teachers are doing to help students. Um, and then at home, um, we, are, we have just made a commitment that we are going to do everything we do to just make it a positive time. So we are like making lists of things we want to get better at and mm -hmm. things we want to do. And so we're just having fun with it. So we're um, kids are doing all kinds of stuff. We're trying to get outside as much as we can and run and exercise and do stuff. So 
at home, it's been good. I, this would be a time I don't get to spend very much time this time of year with my kids because I'm always at stuff at school and now I'm getting to spend all of this time. So it's, it's on that side of it. Um, it's been looking for the positives and that side of it's been positive. So what are some of the most fun or special things that you've now had the time to do that you wouldn't have had to do or wouldn't have had the time for otherwise? Um, little things probably with kids more than anything. Uh, my daughter's kind of picking up a basketball now. So we talked about, Hey, before the summer's over, we, you need to be able to shoot a layup at full speed and need to be up. So now she's already doing that. We've spent like hours outside in the last two weeks. Like, so she's just seeing her like do some of those things with basketball and soccer. And so we've been outside. That's been real special. Cause it's just all this time we get to spend together. We just have fun. And, um, my son wants to see all the Marvel movies. So we are, we, we, we hit Captain America, Captain Marvel, Iron Man. We're trying to watch them in like a chronological order. Mm -hmm. So we're like four movies in and he just thinks it's, it's so cool. Um, you know, so it's, uh, it's been fun. Those are just little things we would never have the time to do all of that. Um, or it would come into the summer or something like that. And like, so they, all these things that we've been wanting to do or we've talked about doing, we're just like checking them off. My daughter wanted to learn how to play checkers. We've learned how to play checkers. Like, so we got games, we got all kinds of stuff and we're just checking them off. I'm like, what's the next thing you want to know how to do or what you want to learn? We'll just go do it. So um, it's been fun. Those are special moments, especially at the ages they are nine and six. Mm -hmm. You know, you, um, you just, I, I just don't want to miss out on any of that time. And, and when school gets going, sometimes I miss out on quite a bit of it. And it's now, now I'm getting to do things I just wouldn't be able to do. So. Um, amidst all of this stuff that's difficult for so many people, there's been a lot of positives. So, so I'm sitting here, you're saying, um, I just think of like a TV show where you, uh, where it goes to a pause where Chaz is like, what are some of the things that you've had a time to do? And you take a pause and it goes to like a cutaway of <laughs> your, cause you're like playing basketball with my daughter and it shows you like a cutaway of you just like swatting her to say, get that weak stuff out of here. No and easy like, buckets. Like and just playing soccer with her and her like against a, a wall and you kicking it and it, it's, it goes against the wall and you're like, another goal, another goal. Are you going to get tougher? And then uh, you're talking about your son. You're like, uh, he wants to watch all the, uh, all the Marvel movies. And he's like crying and like, I want to watch. I want to watch the Muppets. No, you're gonna watch all the Marvel movies. We're watching Captain America right now. And there's nothing you can do. <laughs> I haven't that. seen it. I work hard for this. That's uh, it's. Uh, I, I will tell you two two things on that. One in a funny story. Um, I do not let my kids win. Um, I I you know I, I let them hang around and I do stuff. And I will say occasionally I do let them win things. But my general rule is I'm not going to let them win everything. So. We, uh, I don't swat them. I don't cheat and play dirty, but I'm also not going to let them just think that winning comes easy. So, um, so on that. And then to my son on the Marvel movies, we were watching, this was, I think last night or the night before we get to the end of Thor and Thor is kissing what Jane and my son, who's seven years old is sitting with me and he goes, wow, that is disgusting and kind of poetic. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> just those moments. Like those are just silly moments where it's just like, I'm glad I'm in this moment and I'm, I'm able to do these things. It's just, you just soak it in and like put everything in perspective. It's fun times. So I like my view better. 
<laughs> no, I do not. Uh, <laughs> you got your check, checkers board. You're like, she's trying to learn checkers and you just take a, your checker and you just knock it off. And you go, are you, are you even listening to anything I say? Apparently not. <laughs> just like throw the board in anger. <laughs> My daughter would do that potentially. She's extremely competitive, but um, I would not. I, I don't, I do not get that angry. So. I can't imagine. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so you are a pretty laid back guy. So, um, so done with the done with the virus. We're done talking about it because you probably had enough of COVID nineteen the past few weeks. So, we're going to talk about your favorite uh, topic: you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, you are from uh, Versailles. Is it Versailles or Versailles? Versailles. Versailles, Indiana, South Ripley High School. It's not, um, also not how it's supposed to be pronounced, but I guess we'll let it slide. It's okay. Correct. We <laughs> got to remember that that is in Southern Indiana. That, yeah. that location is Southern Indiana. So I'm I'll just, have to push down the, the history teacher part of me for just yeah. a little bit, but it'll be fine. It'll be okay. Yeah. Well, I realize that that whole part of the state is Milan <laughs> and, you know, Versailles, mm -hmm. and you know we got a lot of places down there that are just they're, they're southern Indiana. They're not <laughs> France or you know Germany or any of these places. Um, so we we just got to remember that. So all right, so so take us through your time at South Ripley High School. What sports did you play? Um, what are some of your experiences and memories from that? Um, well, I had. <clears throat> Small school, so I, if you think size, probably think like maybe Indian Creek uh, mm -hmm. size, maybe maybe a little bit smaller. Um, played four sports, so um, ended up uh, with 14 varsity letters because I didn't run track my junior and senior year. It just became too much. But um, I, I came here and coached cross country, so everybody assumes that I just like run. Um, but I actually played baseball at Marion, um, did not run. Um, mm -hmm. Also, you do so, not have the 250 meter hurdle record there. I I do not. Um, mm. I don't even know what records at my high school I still hold. Um, I had some cross country and track um, records sprinkled in there, but I don't know that many of them still hold. Um, so I was actually at South Ripley a couple years ago for um, some school thing, and you still had. One of the records was still up there. This was 2016, I think, and it was still. Yeah, there. I think it's like a middle school record. Maybe it's like nine, nine fifty-two or nine. I don't remember. I went four fifty-two in a mile um, as an eighth grader, but it, I got DQ'd. So that was at Jeffersonville in a big invite. So did you cut across the track? <laughs> I, apparently I cut someone off, but I didn't even know I did it, and so I. I oh, man, if you, if you get DQ'd, you gotta. You gotta go all out. I know. That's how that's, exactly. That's how I felt about it. I was like, if I'm gonna get DQ'd, I wanna like take some people out or something. Like I didn't even know what happened. But. Well, he only ran three laps, so we gotta DQ. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but ran cross country for four years, basketball for four years, baseball for four years, and then track for two. Um, my junior and senior year base, I started to get a little bit more serious about baseball um, and just got difficult to do the two sports in the spring. Um, because I would play baseball on Monday, running a track meet on Tuesday, play baseball on Wednesday, running a track meet on Thursday. You know, so it's like every night of the week, you're going somewhere doing something. And plus, as I moved into high school, 
the longer distances became a little tougher to do when you're not training and you're doing all that stuff. So they actually did start moving me down. I was running like 400s and 200s and four by four teams and 800s. And that wasn't what I enjoyed all that much. So I could help the team out a little bit, but it just, it became too much. So um, then at the, um, so I, I think I still have some, I have some baseball and basketball records. I don't know. Uh, steals and assists, things like that. I think those still hold and some pitching records, wins in a season, strikeouts in a season, stuff like that. But is that um, what you primarily were as a pitcher? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so then towards the end of my high school playing career, I, I joined the Indiana Bulls, which is a baseball team um, out of Indianapolis. And actually, that's I got to know our current baseball coach, Ryan Firebend. I played on the Indiana Bulls with him. Um, and we had a few other friends that are local there that uh, played with. So I just uh, ended up at Marion um, pretty much focused on education, though I knew athletics was not going to be my ticket to anything. Um, so I, I actually chose Marion over a few other places I could have gone and just kind of tagged along to programs like Indiana State and Ball State. And uh, but I wanted to go play somewhere and then be able to get my education. So um, it worked out really well. Loved that college and um, loved being there. And it worked out just the way that I wanted it to. They didn't, they knew I needed to go to school. And so it was a good balance. They allowed me to do that. They didn't own you. Like I say, sometimes in D1, you go to some of those places um, and they take so much of your time that you don't get that balance that you need if that's not your total focus. So it uh, worked out really well and came to Franklin and then just kind of started coaching from there. But so what was your uh, what was your best pitch? Definitely a curveball. So was that um, your favorite pitch to throw to? Yeah, I was a control pitcher, so that really that really helped. I could pretty much spot about whatever I wanted to throw. Um, so and you're Greg Maddox? <laughs> no, not to that extent. Um, <laughs> although if we want to talk baseball, I would have liked to have seen him in some other era other than when they called pitches five six inches off the plate. Um, he became a legend because he expanded the zone so much, but anyway, I'm not bitter about that. Who was the baseball player that you looked up to the most when you were a kid? I, I loved Barry Bonds. So I was really torn when all the, all the steroids, cause pr prior to him, I, I prior to that, who, of course, who knows when he started, but um, I really was a huge fan of his, even though I was a Reds fan and the, the Pirates were kind of a rival. I just really liked him. So um, I was a baseball card person and traded for all the Barry Bonds cards I could get. So I had huge piles of those. And then, of course, then he steroided up. And that was still a fun era to watch just for entertainment value. But um, I really liked him and, and continued to be impressed with what he was capable of doing, even though he was, you know, enhanced um he was still able to do things that no i've never seen any human being be able to do stuff like that on a baseball field so um so yeah he was probably the one and then any any reds you know the 90 reds were big for me eric davis and barry larkin and wire to wire reds so i grew up my my fandom hit all when the teams that i rooted for were like on top of Bengals were in the super bowl reds were in the world series IU had just won a national championship in basketball a couple years before. So then, of course, it was all downhill after that for Cincinnati sports. But, you know, that was the pinnacle at like 10, 11, 12. So, 
If I, I told you I'm a Yankees fan, would you fire me? No, I, I don't hold any hostilities. Um, Steeler fans are really the only people that I dislike just because mm-hmm. I question their integrity. But me too. Um, outside of Steeler fans, there's really not anybody else that I get to work with. A couple out. of my best friends are Steelers fans, and it, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. They're the team I, I hate the second most, only behind the Patriots. It's the Steelers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we have some uh, we have some breaking news to something we were talking about earlier. Uh-oh. The Indianapolis 500 has been moved to August 23rd. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, just, just came across August. the Grand Prix is going to be July 4th. August 23rd. Yeah. Wow. So that's been in school for a month. Man. <laughs> that that shattered any hopes you guys have of probably spending much time at the track. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I mean, I'm just a race day fan. I'm not a race week or race month fan. So, man, you guys are got to be hurting with this. I'm going to have to call my dad after this. I've been going to the Indy 500 since I can literally remember, since I was like four. Wow. Um, You'll have to still get there somehow, but you're going to be in football season, right? That'll be. It's a Sunday. It'll be a Sunday. So, it'll just make it tough. It's right there in the middle of the season, right when you're getting started. So, that might be like opening. That's almost opening game weekend probably. it's either probably the, the scrimmage weekend or opening weekend i don't know what we'll to look that's gonna mess up the uh mess up the crowd too i'm sure if it's a sunday no monday yeah you usually yeah. have that memorial day weekend yeah. huh. monday should have hit, hit labor day weekend and just recreated it mm-hmm. no. No. Hmm. um all right well that's interesting interesting little news there yeah i didn't realize uh-huh. this was the breaking news Oh, either we, we have we have research coming in through the ears. I mean, that's that's the only way we get these numbers okay. and these facts. I mean, yeah. it, we got a whole crew back there. They're they're doing a, they're doing a great job. Uh, after the intro, I'm a little concerned that that's <laughs> accurate information. I, I don't know if that's. I would have said December 23rd, <laughs> Christmas <laughs> Day, the Indy 500. <laughs> hey, it basically is anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So what's like uh, you talked about basketball, uh, basketball in Indiana is obviously a big thing. What's one basketball game you remember? Oh, man. Well, two. I'll, I'll give a, a, a one B first. Um, Keith Smart hitting a shot when IU won a national championship. Naturally. Um, that was that's that's always a memory. Just. Cause again, I was a young kid just getting into sports. Everything was awesome. And you know, everybody's around the TV. So that was great. But really when Reggie Miller went eight, eight points. Yeah. Eight, um, I was huge Pacers fan at that time and just glued to every, every game. And my dad was, he kind of can get grouchy, but he, I, he was on the Pacers bandwagon. We'd watch all the games. Um, he got up and left right before that went out. He's like, I'm going to go mow the yard. And and he like started to turn the TV off. And I was like, I'm, wa- I'm watching the end of it. I'm just going to watch the end of it. Cause he, he just wanted to go get, get, get going. So um, he walked outside and he did that. And I was just, I remember standing in front of the TV, like what just happened? How, how did that just happen? And I went outside and I remember going up to him, like he was on getting the mower going, riding lawn mower. And I, I waved to him. I like he had. I was like, they won the game. I was like, they won. He's like, no way. I was like, 
they won the game. I just remember that's <laughs> always going to stick in my mind that that game because it just I'd never seen anything like it, and I was such a fan. Those Knicks Pacers rivalry were oh, yeah. outstanding. It, uh, it was the Knicks and the Pacers, and then uh, you had it in the the five hundred, and oh, that was what yeah. a time! What a time! Yeah. <laughs> and I know they came out on the losing end too often in some of those things, which yeah. Um, I also wonder. I, I'm I'm a I'm a jaded Michael Jordan person, so I always think the like, what what is it like? I felt like Jordan got all the calls and got everything he desired from the league at that point in time. And I think there's some Pacers teams there. I think that could have benefited from a little right. bit more balanced approach to the NBA, but mm -hmm. I think they've. I don't think they do quite a, as much of that now as they used to, but okay. Except for LeBron gets some calls sometimes. Yeah. Steve, Steve I'm, I'm going to say something to you. I'm going to, I'm just going to give you five words and it's going to get the same reaction as someone would say to me. I don't think Chaz will understand it. He's too young, but you will understand it as a big Pacers fan. Larry Johnson, four point play. Oh my gosh. Exactly. Exactly. Worse that I, I still get mad every time I hear about that, or every time just like that. Come thinking about that and talking about that still makes me mad. That was such a bad call on so many levels. Yeah. Like, so, oh. And that is the thing with the Pacers through that run is there's equally well not equally there's more moments of just heartbreak than yeah. there are like the moments of just sheer, you know, energy because of what they accomplished. Like so many, like almost right there, even to the like Paul George, LeBron era, like all the way through there, there's all these, like their mm -hmm. franchise is just littered with that almost there moment. That, that 2011 through 2013 team, there should have been at least one, one championship in there somewhere, at least one. Cause those, that yeah. team was really good. That team was really yeah. good. And the well, brawl, the, the brawl, uh, that, uh, team was, that, the team was set, that team was set up. I mean, they were rolling. That was a really good team. They worked the Pistons and the Pistons, the Pistons won the championship that year, didn't they? Yeah. And yeah. they worked in that game. I just remember watching that with one of my friends and we're watching that and just kind of like so calm. I just went, oh no. That's not good. <laughs> that, that's almost the exact reaction. My wife and I lived in an apartment at that time. We had just gotten married and uh, we, I did the same thing. I was sitting there and she was in the back room and I go, Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. She like comes out and I'm like, Oh, this same thing. I was like, this is yeah. not good. This is not good. And then it just got escalatingly worse. <laughs> yeah. Hey, the well, the worst part about it didn't happen. The best part of that whole fight for the Pacers was Jermaine O'Neal slipping as punch <laughs> that turtle-looking dude <laughs> because because Jermaine O'Neal never would have played in the, in the NBA again because he would have murdered that guy. He would have killed a man on the floor, a fan. <laughs> and then there was that good the good scene where. Uh, it's from behind our test and some guy comes up like flexing and then he like realizes all of a sudden he's like, huh. <laughs> and it's just like our test kind of <laughs> swings at him and the guy just instantly. <laughs> like, this is, this is uh, so yeah, we spend a lot, we can, if we start talking Pacers, you start talking about more of the heartbreak 
sometimes yeah. than all the the wonderful things. But uh, yeah, my favorite memory is, is still at the Reggie moments where, well, and a lot of the Reggie moments with the Knicks where he just did some incredible things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so what brought you to, what took you to Marion? Um, well, interesting fact. Um, my dad is, was the first ever inductee into their athletic hall of fame. Um, oh, wow. so they started their athletic hall of fame, I think, a year before I got there or the year I got there. So it was around 2000, somewhere in that area. Um, they just started their athletic hall of fame and he was their first ever inductee. Um, baseball um, still holds all kinds of records there. And, and basically I think when he left held every record they had, but um, it was at that time didn't have surgeries to repair arms like they do now. And so he, he got out, got drafted by the Reds and then um, didn't, nothing came of it. He threw, he tore up his arm and they did, it just was never, was never able to, to get back from that. So uh, my dad coached my baseball teams, my basketball teams, you know, all the way through and different things. So, um, and we would go back up to Marion every once in a while just to visit and we'd go up and watch baseball games or we'd go do stuff. So it's just kind of a college that growing up, I would, Anytime we were in Indianapolis, we'd swing by and go see the campus or go see a game or go do something. Um, we'd go to Butler a lot to watch semi-state basketball when it was there. So we'd always swing by Marion, see the campus. So we, I was just around it quite a bit. And um, as through my search, um, it was just always on the radar. And it just when it came down to figuring out what exactly I wanted from school, it just seemed to fit really well. So um it was a place that they had to have good athletics there. I mean, it had a good base. We had real good baseball teams there. Um, and, and I enjoyed that. And plus I really just wanted to go to school. I knew at that point, I, I didn't want to just go play baseball somewhere. Like I wanted to go somewhere cause I knew I wanted to teach. I want, you know, there was a life beyond all of that stuff that I wanted to go prepare for. I wanted to be able to do all those things. So it just worked out really well. It was a good school it still is. So. Were there bigger baseball opportunities available somewhere if you wanted them? Yeah, I mean, again, not not anything where anybody was going to throw a bunch at me, like, you know, D1 schools that were like, oh, we've got to have him. But there were several along the way, especially once I started playing with the Bulls uh, and the Indiana Bulls, um, just a lot of people at those games and different mm -hmm. things. So um, several of the in-state schools I had conversations with about going there and, and could have taken those options, but you're not going as a real highly recruited individual. There's always, you know, there's always kind of risk in that. And that's, there wasn't really a risk I wanted to take. And it wasn't so important to me to be on a division one baseball team as it was to just be, I wanted to play. So when I got to Marion, I, I played. So got to play for, throughout and enjoyed it and got to go to school. And um, so it worked out really well. Were you a pitcher there too? I started just pitching, um, but I actually tore up my shoulder, my, the, Third, first game first game in Florida my sophomore year dove back into first um, I let off single guy went to pick me off first I dove back in and he swipe tagged hit me in the shoulder and it popped my shoulder out mm. uh, and so which was kind of funny I was laying with my face in the dirt and my coach is like get up and I'm like I, I can't get up and he's like get up it's okay get up I'm like I can't get up <laughs> so as I get up then I can just feel my shoulder like roll back in and so mm. I end up having to um, have surgery and missed. I really missed all basically of my sophomore year. Um, so then when I came back, 
it was kind of gradual. So I came back in playing infield, which I played some infield, but I, as a freshman, they just, I just needed to pitch. They, they needed some pitching and I played a little bit on the infield. Um, but when I came back, then I played, um, actually went over to third base, which was in a place that I played in high school much, but, um, I had a pretty good arm and good field and move a little bit. And so I ended up playing there, um, and pitching the rest of the time there. So third base makes sense. Cause you have the, the pitcher's arm to get at the first base. That's, that's pretty common. Yeah. yeah. So it was, it was fun. So I, yeah, I, I probably played more third, more infield than pitching even my junior year as my arm was coming back. And then my senior year is when I really mostly pitched and, and played third when I wasn't pitching, but so. Do you, um, do you remember your first home run? Oh, first ever or first? First like over the fence home run. Yeah. Little league on a little league diamond. So um, I can't remember. I think I was 10. I think I was 10. That's the I, best thing in the world for a 10 year old. It's the best. It, it, isn't it pretty cool? It's, yeah. it, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, and then in high school, I didn't really, I hit, I think one as a sophomore and I hit, I think two as a junior and then I hit like seven as a senior. So it was, um, it's not like I hit a whole lot of home runs. So it was You're more of a finesse finesse player like like a do the little things uh like just move move the technician fundamentals advance the runners do do the little things like um billy bean would have loved would love you yes just yes uh, i was uh money ball yeah 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 money ball so all right so you're done um was education always something that you knew you wanted to get into like teaching and stuff yeah yeah, and I didn't really waver much from that. So getting my math degree, there were things like, hey, you can make more money doing this. You know, there were things that were out there. It's like, hey, these are nice jobs. But I never really wavered too much from that. So it was it was always education. My mom and dad are educators. My sister is an educator. Both my brother-in-laws are educators, uncles, cousins. You know, so it's just kind of one of those things where everybody in our family seemingly is an educator and and uh, so I don't even never even really wavered from it. And I'm glad I didn't. I love it. So it's yeah. our Thanksgiving arguments about who's the better teacher. If the whole family doesn't, <laughs> uh, we don't argue too much. I'd say it's more, it definitely is educational conversation. So it's, I don't know that we argue too much about it. Um, just as much as it's like, we compare what districts. So my, my sister's in Franklin township, one brother-in-law's in, uh, Washington Township, one's in Mooresville. My dad is mom are back home, although they're retired now. So like we're all spread out in different places. So sometimes it's fun. Everybody will just, how are you handling this? How are you guys doing this? Oh, we're, you know, sometimes it's complaints. Sometimes it's, you know, comparing and getting ideas. But yeah, it's always education talk. It seems like my wife, who's not an educator, um, <laughs> tire, tires of that <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah. So you uh you're done at marion uh you got how what brought you to franklin um actually i apply i i don't know it's kind of a different world then than i think now i mean there there were a lot of teachers out there now i mean they're out there then um so i think it's a little bit more of a competitive market um i interviewed several different places i had a few on the loop, but then Franklin came around. I didn't really know much about Franklin. It just was like, Hey, it's on the South side, which 
family lives in Southern Indiana, close to Indianapolis. I didn't really want to leave Indianapolis area. Um, and really I just, um, I knew Jeff Mercer who, um, recently left our district, um, retired, um, Angela Coy, who, um, is in our community now, her brother was my college roommate. Um, so just some information started coming my way that there was just, there was an opening down there. I really didn't know anything about it. Um, and I was kind of holding off on a couple other places too, that I thought I might want to go. And it started to get later in the summer and I came down and interviewed and it just worked out. Um, Leighton Turner, who was, I interviewed with, um, you know, some of those, a lot of times you, you find out you just, sometimes it's who you know and what connections you have. And, and I got to interviewing with him and towards the end of the interview, he's like, for sales. He's like, and somehow I brought up my, the family physician in this little town, um, Dr. <laughs> Mulford, who was my doctor growing up was his best man in his wedding. Um, so, and we were close to his family and I would fish at their house all the time and just knew him great family. And we just got to talking and he called down and was like, Hey, what do you know? And, and the, the doc gave me a good uh, recommendation. Next thing you know, I've got a job. Like, so it was just, you know, sometimes it's just that connection to somebody that you can call and be like, Hey, what's this person like? So that's how I just ended up in Franklin. And once they offered, I was like, you know what, that just seems like a good fit. And I've never left. It's just been, I've enjoyed the city, the people, the, everything that I've done. So I've had no reason to, to look elsewhere and, and it's just been a good place. So. Yeah. Um, so where did you, did you start at the high school? Cause you came, you were the year after I graduated, correct? Or no, you would have been two, two years. Summer of 2000. So. Yeah. So did you, and you start at the high school? I did. Yep. Started teaching math um, out of the band room. So I taught Jeff Powers and crew out of the band room. And then I would, when the band needed the band room, I would slide over. There was a little closet that went off to the side of the band room that you would, could go into. And it was like a little storage room with no windows that they put desks in. And <laughs> so I got to teach, if it was a full size class of like 25 students, I could teach it in the band room. And if it, I taught some like remedial math classes that we would shift over into the like storage closet while, so, they soundproof the doors enough that it wasn't too bad. So we had to listen to the band while I'm teaching math to like 14 students in desks in a closet. So it was, uh, <laughs> that's the point Franklin high school was at when I arrived. So, um, we were, re we were on the verge of busting out of that high school because of size and it didn't get any better for the next like six or seven years. So I'm glad you didn't throw me in a supply closet, Steve. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, we, that probably just shows how I think of you and then how they thought of me. So. <laughs> All right, so you're, you're teaching math out of a supply closet. Uh, you are, uh, you're listening to the band play. Um, are you, and you're coaching, right? I wasn't as soon as I got there, I was just going to help with baseball because I knew Jeff. Um, but then Doug Brent, who was there, um, had picked up word that I actually ran because I did. I still did. I ran through college. I just didn't run competitively. And and so he word kind of got out. And so then I connected with him. So I kind of was around a little bit that first year in cross country. Um, which was not a lot, but just around them some. And then by the next fall, I was coaching cross country and 
baseball. But yeah, that was um, that was Drent's master plan, wasn't it? Yeah, that I guess I didn't know about. <laughs> well, I mean, anytime you walk in and you win a state championship, like that's, I'll take that plan. That seemed yeah. to work for him. <laughs> he did a nice job of that. Yeah. So coaching, um, coaching cross country and track and then, and baseball and stuff. How long did that, how long did you, did you coach baseball very long? Two years. Okay. And then did you, when Doug, when Doug left, it was, I did, I couldn't help with baseball. I didn't feel like I could coach cross country and not coach track. Yeah. So that was going to be a tough. So I sat down with Jeff. I hated that because I enjoyed baseball. Um, but I, I really enjoyed the cross country side of it. Just something about coaching that I just, I seemed to fit more than coaching the baseball side. I don't know. Um, mm -hmm. Probably because I put the baseball uniform on and they always thought I was a player and not a coach. Um, so maybe that was part of it. I'd, um, actually, Jeff Mercer, who's the head coach at IU now, um, his freshman year was the first year that I was coaching. And so and those some of those guys were bigger than I was. Um, so we went we went down to Martinsville one just little side stories. But we went down to Martinsville for a, a reserve tournament because at that point, Jeff had not been moved up, which he soon then just started crushing the ball everywhere. But um, we went down there and had a really good JV baseball team with that crew. Um, so we're getting ready to start the game. We're all in like getting ready to take the field and we're all in this like huddle and the umpire comes over and he's like, uh, I need to talk to your coach. And I'm like, that's me. He's like, no, seriously. Like, I need to talk to your coach here for a minute. And I'm like, that that's me. Like I am the coach. And he's like, he kind of looks at me. He's like, Oh, Oh, sorry, coach. And I'm just like, yeah, this is great. <laughs> did you ever, did you ever think like, uh, about sneaking out there and taking in that bat. It would have, that would have been fun. That would have been nice. <laughs> yeah. Just like then a, you're on the risk of striking out and embarrassing yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Almost three years. I got student lunches through the cafeteria line though. I'm just going to say, I'm, I'm not, I'm not paying back that difference, but the cafeteria ladies did not figure it out. And I would go to the same lines and they would charge me student lunch every day. So I just kept walking through with the students and getting lunch. So I'm just saying um, there's some benefits to looking like you're 12 when you're, you know, teaching, but there aren't many, but some of those things helped. That's awesome. All right. So you're, you're the head coach now um, at the at cross country and you're, you're helping out with track. Um, how do you build or, or extend or what do you do? Like when you're taking over a program from Doug, that's had, a decent amount of success. And then you continued that and extended that success. How do you like, it's kind of a delicate balance to keep what's going, but also put your own mark on it. How do yeah, you, how did you do that? Um, uh, well, short answer was I, I, in the first year, I just did whatever he did. I just took whatever, which it's been interesting because I've learned so much from, from either Doug Drenth or Jeff Mercer, I can't even, you couldn't even put into words like how much I've learned from just watching and spending time around them for a couple of years there before I even took a program on. It's like, there's, you know, Doug told me one thing when he left and I, it just didn't at home until after the fact, till like a couple years later, a few years later, but he's just like, I was worried because he just won a state championship. And then after we have our dinner, 
with everybody and we're walking to the cars. He's like, Hey, I'm leaving and you're taking the programs. And I was like, what? Uh, <laughs> um, what? Hey, what hey uh, not to, uh, not to, uh, whatever. I, I may have known about that before you did. Now, thanks for the heads up. Appreciate it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you know, then we, you know, over the next few months, then like we, we sat down and talked and he was like, Hey, just, you are going to mess up so many things your first year or two. He's like, it's just going to happen. He's like, you're going to look back on your first team or your first couple teams and say, they could have done so much more if I was a better coach. <laughs> and, you know, I, it, sounds, it sounds bad. Like it does sound bad, but it's been so true in so many aspects of what I've done, whether it's, you know, coaching cross country or taking a teaching job or taking an assistant principal's job or a principal's job. Like you just, you just have to do your best and like, and, and try to build relationships and work at it because I've looked back at all of, all of the changes I've had in positions. And each time I've been like, wow, my first year could have been so much better if, you know, so then you just try to prepare as best you can. So, you know, that was a tough transition because I was not ready to take that team over, but I, I couldn't worry too much about like, just had to work as hard as I could and get to know the, the kids and the parents and the program and read books and talk to other coaches. It really taught me to go, go talk to people, like go see, really be observant of what good people do. Like what are really good programs? What are really good, you know, leaders, all that kind of stuff. What do they do? And like, how can I just take a, a little bit from everybody? I like that. I like that. I don't like that, you know, whatever. And try to put my own. So after two or three years, I, I felt like the program, morphed into to my program and but was still the core was still very much always about what Doug did. Doug was outstanding. I mean he's he was just really good. And so the core of what we always did was based on what he did. Um but I had to make it my own. It had to be my own personality, do our own things, you know, so with um when you were coaching, so when you started, did you do you think the coaching like contributed to you wanting to become a principal or was that something you always you always thought you'd do or was it figuring out like different styles of leadership and talking to different people and doing things like that was that like okay I want to take more leadership roles in the school as well yeah it, it helped it definitely developed that because my dad was a principal and a superintendent um and I swore I would never do that kind of stuff. <laughs> like I saw the hours he put in and the work that he did and all the stuff that he was up to. And, you know, at that point he would get phone calls at home from like parents and be like, he'd spend an hour on the phone with somebody who's kind of chewing him out on the phone at home. And I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> like <laughs> now it's, you know, maybe cell phone stuff like that help. But like I saw what he went through and I was like, I, I will never do that. Um, but I don't know, seeing, Again, the people that you spend time with and you learn from and you start is really more about confidence and like trying to help people and get to know people and support. So each time it's kind of like it, it just grew. It just grew on me. Like, you know, being a coach definitely helped for sure. All of those other things, because you just get to to learn how to work with people, how to organize, how to plan, how to, you know, just do all of those kinds of things. and. So, no, I didn't plan on being a head coach, a cross country head coach. Didn't plan yeah. on being an assistant principal or a principal or coming back. Like 
none of those things were in some kind of plan that I had in my mind. It's just, but I've learned to just work, work at them really hard. And it just seems like opportunities have come up and just kind of keep trying to help in any way you can. So. So some of your teams talk about your, this, the teams throughout the time and, and kind of yeah. what you did and how you, how you built that program, just what, like what the success was for them. Um, well, there, I mean, there's obviously two programs there, guys and girls. Um, on the girls side, it was just always about building a program. I think the first, they didn't have very many girls. They had some, a couple strong girls, but I think we had like four returning girls when I took the position and um, on the girls side, um, we ended up getting, I think four or five others to come out for the team who had never run before. Um, so for me on that side, it was just about how do we build a program that girls want to be a part of. Um, that was a lot of work and maybe as enjoyable as anything was just seeing that program develop because we, within a few years, we turned that into a really strong girls program. Now we never, I'm hopeful this year our girls can get over that hump. I really would like to see them do it. They've got some great talent. That program is sustained at this point. Like it's just a matter of us putting the pieces together. I'd love to see our girls program experience what our boys program has experienced a few different times. So I really hope that can work out. Um, but that was my goal was just to get the girls program sustainable. Like that we've got girls coming in with success and we end up started winning conference championships and, competing for sectionals and, you know, making it to semi-states and even being in conversations about making it to the state meet. So for the girls program, to me, that was, that was huge. Um, on the guys side, it was about a lot of about maintaining what Doug had already built and not letting that slide, but yet being a little bit about how I want to do it. So for me, it was always about the whole program, guys and girls program. So I loved going to camp, summer camps and we'd have, you know, 55, 60 kids and, um, you know, just all those relationships and just seeing the kids grow. So on the guy side, we just had some waves come through. So when we won the state championship, we had a good team come back. And had I been a better coach, I think we would have achieved more. And that's not, that's just reality. I think of, you know, I overtrained them a little bit. I think I was, you know, you're that young coach that's like, let's go, 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 go. And I think had we planned and, and, maybe backed off a little bit, but those guys, they work so hard. I don't think that they regret having worked real hard and done all that stuff, but um, they were amazing. Campbell, Wheeler, Snyder, you know, on down the list, just, you know, all those guys, that whole team. Um, then shortly after that, we had the next wave come through and that's the one that, you know, we finished fifth and, you know, maybe without the, you know, the next Campbell, if he wouldn't have been injured, I think that's a team that, you know, might've been able to even pull off, something better than that. That was another amazing group. So on the guy's side, we've just continually had some groups come through there. And even in between, there were just really good kids and families. The families have just been amazing. That's the thing that I, we started, one thing I wanted to really do is build a parent group um, there too. And they've, they've built that course. They've put time, energy, you know, they've, it's just a really sustained parent group. So I want to make sure that whatever we had as a program was something that was going to stand, that was going to last, that you know, so now we've got so many parents and kids and alumni and coaches involved. Like it'd be hard for that program to not sustain just because there's so many people invested in it. And that's that's what makes me happy is just seeing it go and seeing the job Ray and Adam are doing and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So you um, when did it start kind of getting into your thought like 
that you're not going to be able to coach anymore as you're going to grad school and or, or getting your admin license and 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 kind of how did that come about? Or was that something you knew as you were going to get your admin license? No, that was something I I almost felt bad about. Like because I went back to get my admin license just cuz I was like 10 years in, I'm like I think I was maybe nine or so years in. And I was like, you know, I, I, for one, I need to get my master's. Like I, that's just something that made financial sense. It made sense for the future just to get that done. And so what I was thinking about, I was like, okay, master, master's in math, master's in administration. I'll go ahead and get that. Seems like that might be something I could use down the road. And it took me a couple of years cause I really slow played it. And I really hadn't put that much thought into it. And so I didn't, I wasn't even, I don't think prepared for it. Um, and so then I just, when I got to that point where I finished, I thought, well, it'd be nice to go for like an interview, <laughs> you know, and see what, like, am I even prepared if a job were to come up, could I do that? And so I, I actually interviewed at a, a school outside of our district, not even planning on like taking the job. Yeah. And, and so, um, and somebody had told me this, like never, never apply for a job and not be ready to take the job. But I didn't even think about it. So I went for an interview and all of a sudden there's a second interview. And then they called and they were like wanting a third interview. And I told my wife, I'm like, I, I may get this job. I was like, I don't know. I go, I don't even know that I want this job. I was like, I kind of just thought it'd be nice to get in the interview format. Um, and then something opened up. Some people internally moved around and the, um, I started putting more thought into it. Like, you know what? I could do that job. Like that would be a good job. And, um, got the opportunity at the middle school to go over there. So the district called and just said, Hey, we any interest in this job. And I was like, yeah, so it happened so quickly. And I, I felt really bad cause I had to tell the kids I was leaving and I wasn't really prepared to do it. I wasn't wow. really planning to leave. And I missed, I love that pro those kids and programs so much. So that, I actually broke down in front of all the kids. I was like, I I'm sorry. Like I'm, I'm not going to be able to coach. Cause I just didn't feel like I could do justice. Like if I was going to move into that position, somebody who could, and we, I had two capable Adam and Ray were, did a great job for me for a few years. They, they were ready to take the program. Like it was ready. It was a good time. I mean, I did it, was in it for 12 years, head yeah. coach for 10 years. Like it's, that was a good time for them and they've done a great job. So it was good. So yeah. looking back, on your coaching and everything what's kind of the thing you're proudest of as far as like the the what you've left on the program and the and what you accomplished okay repeat the first part of that i, I missed that just a little bit there what's uh, just looking back what's the thing you're proudest you're most proud of as far as what you left with the program or kind of what you accomplished um I, I, I've never, I've never answered that question with like, Oh, this team accomplished that because I don't, I don't, that was all just side sidebar to things. Like that was all the product of just hard work. And, and I'm happy for those kids that they experienced and they were fun moments. It easily the relationships with the kids and how much I enjoyed those 10, 12 years. Like I just, I miss all of those kids that I coached like, and I still, periodically try to reach out and haven't to do as much here recently, but, um, you know, kids come back from, you know, 10 years later, they'll come back from Christmas and I'll be texting with them or we'll meet for breakfast or we'll do stuff like, um, the course and the sustaining of the program to me, that was, 
that's one thing. And then the other is just the, the relationships, the, the camps, the, the time together. Like I, I feel like those kids benefit, hopefully benefited from that. And that was an important part of their lives. Like I, I just miss the real, I still to this day miss the relationships. There's nothing like coaching, nothing like coaching. And so giving that up, I knew I was going to miss that part of my life. Like it just, so it's a part that I still miss a great deal. Um, and that program means a lot to me. It's interesting that, you know, yesterday we had Bardwell on and he doesn't really miss coaching at all. And he, he kind of, he said he, he didn't love it as much as playing. And so you can kind of, it's kind of interesting to see that the difference between the attitudes that you guys have, because his attitude was kind of a little bit different than how I can see that you love it. And I, it's, it's different too. And I don't know if it's why the decision for me to get away from, not that I didn't, baseball was the same way. Like I really enjoyed working with all of those kids, but there was something about coaching baseball that was different to me than coaching cross country and track. And it wasn't, you know, it I don't even know if it was in, in what I was coaching. I just love the way that I could go out and run with 20 kids and talk and, and, and joke around and do like, it was more of the relationship. So that's what I miss. And you know, the day to day of it, it does grind on you after a while coaching does. I mean, the day to day of upkeeping all of that stuff, like I don't necessarily miss all of the, you know, running 350 out of 360 <laughs> some days a year, you know, it's, but I miss, so I don't know if I would develop that same thing in baseball. Um, there was a time where when I was coaching baseball that I didn't, I didn't love coaching baseball as much as I love playing baseball. So I can relate to that. Um, I really miss coaching kids. It's just the kid. It's just, mm-hmm. it's so not so much the sport or the, the competitiveness or all that stuff, which I do miss, but I just miss the relationships and the families and all that stuff. But, yeah, that's because I was, I coached cross country and track as well. And it was, it was kind of a double-edged sword where you go out on a four five, six mile run with kids. And I mean, that's when you, it's just like going out with your friends when you go out. Sometimes some of the things you talk about were different, but I mean, you go out and you talk and that's just kind of what you do. You just go out and you run and you talk and and even just coaching them, like getting away from the school day itself, you're just sitting there and it's just like, I mean, more so with high school kids. When I coached high school with middle school is a little different, but high school kids, it's just like you're just sitting there and you're you're just, you know, whether it's a handoff or something like that, it's just like you're just talking to them or in between reps of a workout or you just do a hard workout together. And there's just that that thing, you that 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 connection that you get. But then the downside of it is like cross country and track uh, that's year round. I mean, you get a two week break yeah. after cross country and then you start track conditioning and then you get two weeks and then you start cross country again. It was just, that was a grind. Yeah. Well, and Chaz, I mean, you know, in football and, and different things, like what I miss too is like th- there's the X's and O's and, and that's, that's great. And that certainly can be exciting. And that's, you know, that's part of, for me, you know, creating workouts, doing stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, baseball would be the same thing, teaching technique, doing all that stuff, but like, there's nothing quite like learning your, your kids, learning your athletes and like knowing what motivates them or what drives them, figuring that out and then seeing them go benefit from that. Like that you, you know exactly what to say to them or you've taught, you've told them something or you've, 
you've kind of got them over the hump mentally or whatever. And then all of a sudden they go out and have that moment where like what you just said happened on the field or what you said, just, you know, they just PR by 10 seconds. Like that to me is what I miss. Like I don't miss all the other details, but like there's that getting to know your athletes and your students so well mm-hmm. that you, you know how to, to drive them and you, you, you're really working with them. And then to see them go succeed is just like a, a, a awesome feeling. It really, I can vividly remember uh, earlier in the season last semester, uh, Cam Hill was one of our cornerbacks. Uh, and we had a drill that I, that I did with our, with our DB guys. And you had to, it was, you know, raking the ball out of the receiver's hands as they went up to catch it. And you had to like, make sure you stuck your hand through their, through their arms and rake the ball out. And I can remember him covering a, a post route. And the first time it happened to him, it, the kid caught it and he couldn't get it out. And then we talked about it on the sideline. We're like, remember the drill, the, the, the drill that we worked on all week or whatever. And then later in the game, he does literally perfect technique as exactly what we coached and worked on. And it was just one of the, the coolest, coolest feelings ever. It was awesome. So yeah. yeah and I think the great, the great coaches and the great leaders, like they love those moments for, for those people, not for like, you know, there's a personal satisfaction yeah. you get from that, but like, you're you like to me, I miss those moments because I miss seeing those people that way, like those kids that way, like crossing the line and having that moment where they realize they just won a race or they just PR'd or they just did something. And like you're so I'm like, I'm so excited for them or them. Like, yeah, that, for you. yeah, that it, that doesn't change in leadership in any kind of way. Like it's, it's the same feeling you get in different ways when you move into different positions. But like those moments of which, you know, that like hey, my efforts to help this person really did help this person. Like, and that's, that's a pretty cool feeling. So I miss that part of coaching, just that moment of just like, because you know that family's excited, that kid's excited, that the team's excited. And you're just like that moment where you can just feel good for them, like, and for what they accomplished. So I, I miss that stuff. And the cool thing is that the only two people that know what went into making that moment for that kid yeah. is you and the kid and how yeah. many whatever it's running, how many miles they ran during the week, or if it's, yeah. if it's football, what drills they did, like that's just a cool shared experience that only the coach and the athlete kind yeah. of have together. Yeah. And it's a great big responsibility on us as educators to know that like we have that potential with kids, like, and, and how important it is that we use those moments to, to be about good because we can equally teach them, bad things or, or bad habits or wrong ways of handling stuff. So like you really, really puts an emphasis on how we treat that because that moment, if you have that with that, that athlete, you now have, you now have a relationship there that they trust you and they, they, they know that, that you're working with them. And so you have to be able to then reflect that positivity and that ways to do things because, the more that that happens, you build those relationships, the more they look at you and, and trust you and believe in you and want to replicate what you're doing and want to like. So it's a powerful thing that we have as educators in the classroom and, and on fields and stuff where, you know, we can we can at times have more impactful relationships with those kids than even than many people in their lives, like mm-hmm. maybe even including parents like they can get to where they trust coaches and they believe in coaches and teachers um, so we have a real power we can't can't take for granted sometimes. And it's pretty cool, but it, it's a pretty big responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, so you become 
principal of, of Franklin High School. How did that kind of come about? Um, I Again, not anything that I – same comment I made when I said I wasn't going to coach, <laughs> you know, didn't really want to be a cross-country coach, didn't really want to be an assistant principal, you know, and those things kind of came up. I had all equally felt bad because people had asked me before, like, oh, well, you're just trying to get back to the high school. Um, and I'd even told my wife, told my family, like, I don't want to be a high school principal. Like there's so much, so much time, so, so many things involved in that. And like, so people even at the middle school would ask me from time to time, like, well, the high school job opens, you're going to go take that. Right. And I'm like, no, I'm good. And I really did like my time at the middle school. It's good. I, I, there's awesome people over there and you know, it opened up. And, uh, when it did open up, Dr. Clendenning had called me and just said, Hey, how'd you like to be the principal at the high school? And I think he thought I would just be like, absolutely. I was like, nah, I don't think so. <laughs> and he was um, at first, and I don't know that I answered it that way, but I was just like, ah, I don't know about that. Like, you know, so then we just had to have some conversations. I just needed to make sure that if I, and it's not that I didn't want to, I love the high school and I'm so happy I am back at the high, like I've loved it. Like it does feel like home and I've, I've never regretted it for one second, but, um, I needed to make sure that my family was not going to suffer <laughs> the consequences of that, which we, you know, it just, it's a lot of time away from home. I got two young kids and, you know, like now they're nine and seven at that time, they were what, like around six and six and four ish. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there is a difference between being at the middle school and the high school in terms of time events and everything you have to be at. And so, I had to really sit down and talk with my wife and, and Dr. Clendenning about, hey, are you going to be OK if I can't make it to some things every once in a while because I need to be at, with my family or I need to be at church or I need, you know, sometimes I'm just going to have to do that. And it's it's worked out fine. But I had some real reservations, not from a do I feel like I want to be there or do I want to work? You know, because I missed a lot of people at the high school and it's great to work with them again. But um, just was it the right fit? Could I, was it, what I going to get overwhelmed because it's a tough job. And I think at that point in time, I was 15 or 16 years into Franklin. And I think we'd had like seven principals in 16 yeah. years or something like that. And, you know, so I was even asking Dr. Clendenning and some of the people, you know, like, Hey, why is, why is no one able to sustain this job? Like, and, and what makes me any different? Like, am I just going to, you know, cause I didn't want to leave Franklin. I don't want to get here and it not work for, couple years, two or three years and, and people want me out or I feel like I can't handle it. And now I'm, you know, what am I going to do then leave Franklin? <laughs> and that's not something I, you know, that would have been the next step really. And I didn't, I just didn't really want to leave, be put in that position. So it was a little bit of a leap of faith, but at least from on my end, I, how other people feel, but it's, it, I feel like it's been good. I've enjoyed it and glad I'm there. So. So that leads us into one of our last questions for you. Uh, yesterday, we have this thing on the show where we leave a question. So yesterday, like you talked about, Br Brett Bardwell, uh, FCHS legend, was on, and he left a question for you. And then also, I want to ask you the same question I asked Jeff because he answered it. It was He answered this question as you. Okay. So this question, Bardwell asked, What's the best thing about being principal at FCHS? And I asked Jeff who the fastest person in the building was, and he said you. 
Okay, so I'm supposed to respond to both of those? Yep. Okay. Um, best part of being at at the high school, um, I think it's just everything that I've I, I kind of mentioned at times. Like I just love the the families and the kids in the the town. I've just gotten to know so many people, and like even through the we we were talking earlier about the virus stuff. Like the way that the city of Franklin has jumped in to help people. Mm -hmm. um, and Brian, you're on some of those calls. Like we're you know we get on calls as different groups, admin PLCs or cabinets or whatever. Everybody in the group is talking about what's best for people and kids. And like, as long as it stays that way, I, I will, I will not be leaving Franklin. I mean, as long as the conversation is always about what's best for kids, it's not that everybody's going to like that decisions all the time, but I can tell you, I'm, I'm never in a meeting where I feel like I'm talking with a bunch of people who don't care about trying to make the best decision for kids and families and teachers and everything. So it's just been, it's just, we got good leadership. We've been blessed with a board who cares about kids, a superintendent that cares about kids on down the line. So it's been, it's been good, but, and then the fastest person in the building, I don't know how Jeff would manage to say that I was the fastest person in the building. It's, it's Jeff. Okay. Um, I, I'm not in any kind of shape to claim that currently anyway. Um, I, I thought you were the fastest powers anyway. Um, I am. Absolutely. Is that not true. Okay. Always have been, always will be. Yeah. Now, what are we using to determine fast though? Is well, it fast I, mile? Correct. See, Chaz is in a different world. See, we're talking distance. So we're talking. Yeah. yeah yes. I agree with you, Chaz. Like we have to define talking 5k um, <laughs> on, okay. on, on course, on course. I think I'm, I'm 15. I think it's 58 or 56. I should know that. You should really know your course PR, but I, I believe it's 58 or 56. And then road, it's 40, 1540. So, so, what, so what's your uh, what's your fastest mile? We asked Jeff this too because that's like the that's like the distance runner question. Yeah, I'm not not solid there. So I'm only at 30. So ah. I was never able to get under 30. Hmm. Uh, I think had I really been able to. Well, I don't think. I'm pretty certain I could have focused on that in high school, but I quit after my sophomore year track side of things. And I never really went after the mile. So it's, and then really when I've been out, it's, I've, I've not ventured much off of the like 5k to, you know, five miler. Like I don't do marathons. I don't run miles. I don't, you know, it's, that's kind of my wheelhouse that I stick in. So. It's kind of funny though, because how you said that, like the, you were like with 430 mile, you were like dismissive, but it's kind of one of those things where it's, it is like that in, I mean, I've never run anywhere close to that, but as being a, being someone who is a coach or a runner, like uh, it's, it is one of those things where people who no offense, Chaz, but I don't picture you as really a runner. <laughs> Chaz would probably hear that and be like, excuse me. <laughs> I'm not the distance. Chaz Chaz would probably hear that and be like, oh, 430 mile, whatever. But then like you get around people who would be runners and you'd be like, oh, yeah, that's that's Yeah, like Jeff, who's clearly the fastest person anywhere close to us. So and then but yeah, it's like 430 is kind of like there's it sounds impressive, but then if you're around a lot of people who are runners, a lot of them are like, Oh yeah, I ran a four thirty mile. Yeah, I ran. I would commit heinous crimes to be able to run a, a mile in four minutes and thirty seconds. <laughs> 
I've never been able to get under six. So <laughs> you can do it. If you train, you can do it easily. Okay. That's a goal. Podcast goal. Podcast goal. I heard it right there. To get okay. Chad under the six minute mile. Our guest tomorrow is Jake Sappenfield, former FCHS athlete. Do you have a question for Jake Sappenfield? I do. I I know Jake. We know we know of each other. I don't know him real well. Um, he was athletically a little bit before my time in Franklin. So I would be curious to know either one of two questions, which would be who's the best athlete he played with or that he's seen at Franklin. And I'll let him, I'll let him judge what, what athleticism. I guess it's not going to be who can run a faster than 430 mile, but he, he, he athletically um, who's either who he played with at Franklin or who he saw at Franklin. I, I, that would be, that would be good for me. All right. We'll do that. All right. Okay. Chaz. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I also uh, have a question that I, I like to ask because I think it's fun. Uh, I'm a big movie guy, as you probably know, Steve. Yeah. Uh, I, I think you can tell a lot about a person by what movies they like and like kind of things about their personality. Uh, you can also do that with like music and TV shows and stuff too. So I like and to ask and how clean their car is. That's that's the measure, measure I take. But and how but, they treat uh, wait staff. It's another way. True. Mm-hmm. Yes. So or if, they, you, if they claim to be a student when they're actually a teacher in the cafeteria line. <laughs> questionable judgment. <laughs> questionable character there. <laughs> so I like to ask uh, if you had to pick like three to five. Uh, favorite movies of yours or movies that you have like a, a good connection with or something like that, that, that you really enjoy, not necessarily in any order, but yeah. just like three to five that you really like. Um, top of the list, probably groundhog day. Um, I am, I, I really, I enjoy funny movies, but like with, with um, thoughtfulness. Mm-hmm. So I'm not like a big, smart, like smart. Yeah. Comedy. Not a Jim Carrey, like, you know, do silly, stupid stuff. Like, smart, funny movies. So I, I do like those. Um, Godfather is towards the top of my list. Godfather 2, if I had to be more specific. But um, I do like good, just good movies. I, I like gangster movies. I, I don't, you can analyze that however you want. Um, but I do like a good, good kind of like gangster movie. Um, and, but again, very thoughtful movie. Um, yeah. And what else? Um, and I, I like, I like action, like star Wars movies. So I, I did be hard for me, maybe just the whole, uh, Marvel star Wars, you know, those kinds of movies. I, I like, um, epic, uh, drawn out stories and like yeah. some of those things. I like, you know, the Lord of the Rings, um, star Wars, Marvel, how it carries on. Like, just fun movies that are kind of action and all of those have some like funniness to them mm-hmm. too. So it's, I probably have to go with those. So. Okay. All right. all right. Well, Steve, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I know this has been a busy time for you and busy time for everyone, but uh, on the plus side here in a couple hours, we get to start spring break. Yeah. Spring break, right? Yes. Uh, so we've got a, we've got a couple weeks off for that. Uh, but we just, uh, we thank you for your time uh, with us today. Anything you want to add? No, I appreciate it um, for, for the offer and for what you guys are doing. And uh, we need to get the word out there. I mean, this is, 
I know this, we're just right on the verge of this taking off. So I appreciate I, like you, you slotted me in right as this whole thing is like getting ready to explode. So, I mean, it's I, I going to the moon. Yes, it, I agree. Yes. So, all right. You guys have a wonderful break. And uh, thanks for all you do for the, the students of Franklin. All right. Thank you so much, Steve. And we will see you tomorrow on Inside Franklin Athletics with Jake Sappenfield. For Chaz Hill, I am Brian Powers. We will see you later.